Hi, I'm Paul M. Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. We're here in Panama City Beach, Florida. We are attending the Fun in the Sun 42 convention. We had this idea to bring spiritual principles with us, put them on cards and have people, other voices than ours, come up and share about them. We hope you enjoy it. Jennifer? Hi, my name is Jennifer and I'm an addict. It's been a joy to be at the convention. It's my first time attending and uh, to see new faces, make new friends, um, and hear about it when they're done sharing um, how excited they are. Lee. Thanks, Jennifer. I'm Lee. I'm an addict. <clears throat> and this has been an amazing weekend. Uh, the collective voices that came together to pull this off. Jennifer and I were down in the trenches and it was wonderful. Thank you. Thanks to both of you for your hard work this weekend. Folks, Douglas and I hope you enjoy Principles from Panama City Beach. We're back at Fun in the Sun with Alyssa A. from Ackerman, Mississippi. She's going to speak on the spiritual principle of equality. Welcome, Alyssa. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that you can make it. So, so Alyssa, could you, could you speak to us about where you're at in your journey right now and um, then how, I'm and at the same time. I'm currently two years and eight months clean. My clean date is 8-19-19. And I'm fixing to start on step four. So it's been a little bit of a slow go, but we're getting there. All right, but you're on the journey with it. Okay. All right. So, so when you look at that, how does equality fit into your just for today? Equality fits into it because speaking as a member of the LGBTQ and as an addict, I've noticed that equality is, is it's an issue everywhere. It, it's an issue as a person. It's an issue as an addict because there are some addicts that are addicts because they don't feel equal. They feel inferior to other people. And just as me being who I am, I've where I'm from is a small rural area. And I've all, I was always made to feel inferior to everybody else because of how I was because of my appearance and because of how I acted and because of who I loved. So therefore it was a factor in making me feel like I needed to get away. I needed to escape. I needed to not feel, be able to feel feelings. Okay, you're saying you felt this before you started getting high. Yes. And, and so, okay. Even from the time I was a young kid, like 11, 12 years old, I knew I was different and I was made to feel bullied because of that. Are you experiencing that within the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous? Not so much as for who I am, but a lot of people, a lot of, it seems like a lot of people get judged whenever they first come to the rooms based on their appearance or how bad off they are. Mm. And it seems like people automatically judge you and think that you're not going to make it or they don't want to be around you because you look rough and they're they're in a better place and they look down on it 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 felt like a little bit to me like you're looked down on a little bit and even I've had to come to terms with those feelings from people from my past like they walk in there and I immediately a little bit of anxiety because I know them so well from my using and but I have to remember that we all as addicts we all deserve equal recovery we all deserve the chance to get sober so if somebody's listening and they go oh i've done that or i can identify with that tell us how do you move through that what do you do to fight against that kind of judgment that 
you know, look, we're all kind of have some judgment about things, but how do you move beyond that in your recovery? I usually try to catch anything that I do like that in my inventory. I try to do an inventory fast. If I catch myself slipping or I feel like there's something that I've done that I feel guilty about, then I automatically stop, check and do an inventory. Was there a reason? Why did they make me feel that way? I try to come to terms with it and understand why I was feeling that way so that I can fix that part within me so that I do not treat others the same way again. So do you, do you, and so this is interesting. And that's a great point that you bring that up, Paul. And, and, and sometimes it was, it's almost like what we think other people are thinking. It's almost like a little snapshot into what we aren't really crazy about ourselves and what we're thinking. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Like, Hey, sometimes maybe you'll see somebody and you'll be like, I ain't fucking making it. Right. Yeah. Or look at this, look at this person. <laughs> you know, it's the it's so it, 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 we, because we're all whole ass humans. We all experience well, that. You know, and judgment is judgment. It comes and goes. It's sort of like wanting to use. It comes and goes. It's what I do with that thought and how I act on it. You know what I mean? I will see somebody walk in and go, oh. And have all that in my head. Which isn't necessarily like a, a, a bad thing. You're not, you know. It's, it's, a, it's, human it's a human thing. thing. It's a human thing. It's but almost it's, human nature for people to judge other people. But like you said, it's how you react to that and how, absolutely. You, how you put it across yeah. that matters. And do, do I, with that thought, still walk across the room, open my arms and hug that person and say, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Yes. You know what I mean? Even with all my you? judgment. You know how can I, mean? I serve you? <laughs> have you experienced welcome being welcomed in narcotics anonymous yes okay good even in ackerman mississippi where yes. there's not i would assume there's not a big lgbt presence my it's not a it's not a big presence period but I, I pretty much represent the lgbtq presence there you're fine the flag in ackerman mississippi right. go girl <laughs> <laughs> but i have noticed that they have went above and beyond to make me feel welcome we are like like family now. Oh, shout out to Ackerman. Yeah, shout out to Ackerman. So that's that's the good thing though is we have to, we LGBTQ people have to take the risk to put ourselves out there because what happens is if we don't, somebody's walking around thinking or saying I've never met a gay person or I don't know any gay people or I don't know those people and I'm gonna say yeah you do. There's one in Ackerman. <laughs> yeah, you do. And so it's sort of like we may be the only gay person somebody will meet, or we might be the only basic text somebody will read. That's right. And it's all about how you come across to those people. If you come across as a as a kind, loving person, no matter no matter your sexuality, no matter who you're no matter with. your addict, no matter anything, <laughs> right? Like I feel like your higher power is going to judge you based more off what's in your heart and how you treat others than he would who you love. All right, we're back at Fun in the Sun with Brad T from Pensacola, Florida, and he's going to speak on the spiritual principle of surrender. Welcome, Brad. How you doing? Hello, I'm Brad. All right, <laughs> glad you could stop in, Brad. So, could you give us a snapshot? Where are you at in your recovery journey and how does surrender play a part in your just for today program? Okay. Um, I'm uh, my, well, my clean dates, two, two, 14. Where I'm at in my recovery today is um, I wake up and stay clean every day. Um, 
I try and hang out with uh, other friends in recovery. I have my commitments, uh, which is H&I, jails, um, local treasurer for the area, just stepping into that position. Um, and I uh, try and, um, to the best of my ability, just kind of surrender to my day, whatever I got in front of me. So just, what, what does surrender look like getting clean? What did surrender look like getting clean? Uh, it was uh, hard getting clean. Um, I think the hardest thing, because I'd, I'd had a, 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 a long length of clean time and came back, and it was really trying to come to believe that I could be restored to sanity again and, and to believe that that was happening to me again. And it seemed like there was a day, two, three, four months in, where all of a sudden I realized, you know, <laughs> Hey, that I, I'm a, I've, I've been doing this. I'm going to be okay. And it was, it was like, it was no longer a struggle. It was like, I was excited about what I was doing and I was uh, at peace, kind of, kind of at peace with it. So the, the absence of struggle is a indicator of the surrender. Is, is that what you're saying? I kind of, I, I kind of like that. I would say, I'm, I didn't know that that's what I, what I said, but yeah, that is basically what I, what, what I did say. What happened? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I did like not, fighting you know not struggling and how, feeling how did you stop struggling that's the question how did what preceded the real what preceded the realization oh i'm not struggling anymore what were you, what were you doing that stopped the struggling i couldn't pinpoint that pinpoint that for certain mm -hmm. um all i know all i know about it is that one day i just felt like it was done. Like I, I was going to be okay. And then it, it was possible to do it all again. And that I really was a part of things. And I do remember one thing that made me feel really special. And it might be strange here is I, I had a friend that invited me to go with them to a, an occasion. And they put me in this position where I just felt like I was at the center of the world. It's just a feeling I had. And that is another time in my recovery where I felt like I felt special. I felt like I belonged and I didn't feel inferior in any way. I actually felt kind of special. And for somebody that feels inferior and has a low sense of self-esteem, I think I, I might've really needed that. No, those feelings of, of in, intense belonging and purpose and, and just that connection, it's powerful. It's powerful to feel that, especially if we haven't felt it in a really long time or ever. You know, it's just, it's overwhelming. It's definitely overwhelming. And, and allow me to ask you um, our final question. Do you have, do you have something going on now, like in your journey that right now that, that, that could probably use some level of surrender uh, that you're, that you're going through or, and, or um, what does surrender look like in your day-to-day -day life? Well, I would like to say that one of the things I know I surrender to successfully, like, like it was a, uh, like I did it was my mother uh, had a hip surgery and I had to go move in with her and take care of her for a couple of weeks. And I did all the cooking and I mean, cooking good food, making really, <laughs> trying to make her really healthy stuff. She really enjoyed. I know she didn't want me to leave when I finished and, you know, cared for her, took care of the pool, the yard. And, and I was at ease doing it all. And we were on good terms. And, and me, a lot of times when I'm asked to do things, I can be irritable. But it was like, I just, <laughs> I fell right into it. And I actually, 
enjoyed the experience and she told me some things that i don't think i ever would have known if i hadn't have done that not real big things but it was like it made her more of a real person to me some mm -hmm. of the intimate small things that she'd tell me about and it wouldn't have happened without that that time with her and um, but to me, I thought it was, to me, it was different that I'd surrendered and, 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 and got to really be there for that experience. Right, we're back at Fun in the Sun with Wendy M. from Pensacola, Florida, and she's going to speak on the spiritual principle of communication. Hey, Wendy, welcome. Yes. I'm glad you could stop in. So, Wendy, could you tell us where are you at in your recovery journey and how does communication play a part in your Just for Today program? My name is Wendy and I'm a grateful recovering addict and um, I got clean 12-6 of 1994. I came back from a, a relapse um, after was clean for about nine years and then relapsed and came back and the guilt and shame was just so great. Um, but I was able to come back and um, I decided to really commit to the program so that I could learn about my disease and why I kept going back and um, and at the time I was in college and I, I got a degree in communication. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that it was a, a spiritual principle at the time, <laughs> but it, it's, it's just so important, you know? <laughs> um, so I got the degree, but I still didn't know how to communicate with people because I didn't learn. And I came into the program with a lot of trust issues. And so, and not knowing how to, how to live life on life's terms and how to communicate. So, and it's still, it's still, it's a lifelong process. So um, where am I at in my step work? I just got a new sponsor about eight or nine months ago. She's from um, Tennessee. She moved here with like 34 years clean. Um, and, um, and she tells me things you know about and we work on our communication together and um right i've started with step one and tradition one and concept one and so now we're going into step four and um we talk about you know problems in communication because it's also has to do you know kind of with codependency and not being able and having difficulties because it talks in our literature about you know communication problems and in the tradition work it talks about how you know, and how important for our unity and everything you, communication you, is. You run into, do you run into different situations to where like what you're trying to say, maybe some other folk aren't hearing, aren't hearing that, or the, the other way, maybe some folk have approached you with something and you kind of, the filter that we have from when it gets to our ear to translate it in our brain, we kind of say, oh, this is, this is what I understand it to be. And it's a little bit different than maybe what was communicated. How do you yes. navigate that? different perceptions um usually with boundaries because right now i'm just dealing with that actually today and actually at this convention because i had a problem with a friend and we i had made the decision that it's it was kind of toxic and i really couldn't keep doing the same thing all the time and so um, they were trying to push my boundaries and say, no, we should be friends anyway. No, and I was like, no, unless this is dealt with, it really can't. You know, um, when we're around other people and there are things that we've shared and everything that 
you feel that you can tell everybody else and, mm. and make it in a joke and it's not really funny and it's embarrassing. And so now it was like brought to me, you have to, Wendy, you have to be um, open-minded. And when and I said, well, everybody has to be open-minded. I mean, I have, yes, I do have to be open-minded and teachable, but at the same time, boundaries and I don't have to um, be involved in toxicity and things that aren't healthy for my recovery and as much as I may love the person. And I, I deal with that because I have five children in active addiction. And so I deal with that as, as well. And so we have communications and, and I have to run in, how am I gonna communicate in a healthy, in a healthy way? And at the same time, keep my boundaries and, and not you know, and detach with love, all of that. And it's just so important to recovery. It, it, all of our literature talks about how important it is to have healthy communication. You know, the, the longer I stay clean, the more it, it becomes important for me to understand that I need to, I need to be able to set boundaries, communicate them efficiently and effectively. I could have a boundary all day, right? Like I, I could set my own boundaries. If I don't communicate them and put mm -hmm. a realistic if, expectation. If nobody else knows there's a boundary, is it really a boundary? You know what I mean? That's the thing. Yes. <laughs> a, the boundary is not some kind of mental yeah. exercise until it is communicated yes. to the person. And that's the, always the hard part. Mm -hmm. It's usually not what, what I say, but how I say it yes. is the problem for me. Yes. And I, that's what I struggle with. Paul, Paul, you say a lot too about how, hey, let's not use a, what do you say? Let's not use a sledgehammer when a scalpel will do. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> because I'm really good at yes. hitting people over the yes. head with yes. my communication where I could just slice the little part out and be much more delicate. And hopefully yes. the patient yes. wins. <laughs> yes. We're back at Fun in the Sun with Casey H. from Greater Nashville, and uh, he's going to be speaking on the spiritual principle of welcome. But first, uh, Casey, it's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. It's been, <laughs> we, we got up with each other on Zoom yeah. uh, a, a while ago, and now it's, it's really nice to get a hug from you, man. Good yeah, to see yeah. You. I've never done a show in, in person, so it's a good time. All right, Casey, so good. Give us uh, an overview of where you're at in your recovery journey and how does welcome kind of play a part in your just for today? Sure. So um, if I make it to July 8th, I'll pick up 14 years. 14 cakes. 14 cakes. So I'm, uh, I'm working on it. And uh, man, where I'm at in recovery journey is like career is absolutely incredible. Marriage is incredible. Home group's doing really well. All the people in my life are exactly the people who are supposed to be there i feel like um i feel like i'm in a place where i'm having to choose between my blessings instead of fight against the mistakes that i made finally you know what i mean and really, really land deeply so so welcome uh welcome's interesting like so there's a I, I don't know if other people have mentioned this but there's kind of several pieces of paper that are just laid out um and presented as spiritual principles. And like, I only read a couple of them when I saw welcome, I smiled. So I figured I might as well pick that one up, right? Cause I'm that guy, like I'm that guy in my home group. I'm that guy pretty much at any, any meeting I go to. Um, I'm always looking for the new person. I'm always looking for that 
the person who looks the most afraid, I guess, is the way to put it. You know what I mean? Like, because it isn't always necessarily the newcomer, but it's always somebody who automatically sits by themselves or waits by the door for long enough for everybody to clear out so they don't have to say hello to anyone or hug anybody, right? And so I don't know what it is about me. You know, I work in treatment um, and, I've, and, I've, and I got clean in an area where, where we had a ton of newcomers coming in. And so just to think about welcome as a spiritual principle and being open-hearted to the, to the next man for me or the next woman who's gonna come in the room and really need to feel the same thing I felt because I, I experienced that spiritual principle, right? Like I experienced the feeling of being welcome in a Narcotics Anonymous meeting uh, more so than any other feeling in the beginning, right? Like I had, the, I had this really incredible opportunity at my first home group because it was, it's in Dothan, Alabama. And, uh, and, and there, the first question they ask in every single meeting, the whole format is set up. They say, does anybody have a recovery threatening problem today? And I knew that question was coming. The people in treatment warned me about it, right? And they said, that's you. That's your cue right there. And just, just responding to that and just saying, listen, man, I just got out of treatment. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm living. And, and, and getting the response that I got, right? Because that's what, everything that happened after that was my welcome, right? So it was the people in the room. It was the people after the meeting, right? It was the, y'all come to Waffle House with us. It was all those little things that added up together to make me feel about that first meeting well enough to come back to the second one. And I think that's my goal, you know, at any, any time, not only to like let people know they belong there, but to let people know that they, that we need them and that it's, it's important to have them. Um, well, and, and two, you, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's not just for like that, that person just getting clean either. You know how we, we, we kind of relocate a lot now Yeah. and travel and, and do different things. And, and Nashville is a cool place, man. Like the recovery community is really awesome. I was traveling there a few years back. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the people, they came and picked me up at the, I called the line. That's when, that's when I met you. Bro, you yeah. Me. Yeah. And your people came and picked yeah. me up. So, so here's the thing. about the sponsor Josh picks you up. Here's the welcome story, Paul. Are you All with right. us on this? So, so I'm traveling. I call up the hotline. I'm hanging out with Casey now on the phone, but I need to get to a meeting, this and that. All right, man, what hotel? These guys picked me up at the hotel, took me to the meeting, took me to dinner. They paid for my dinner, took me home. I was like, you know what? But I cannot wait to, to, to right. come through again. Man, I right. felt like I was kicking it with them folk for, for years. It was my first time going through, man. First time going through. And that's, and that's welcoming somebody who's not just getting clean, but traveling through. Wonder, I wonder, what could we do? How, are, are we doing that? You know, is that right. important for us? Are, are we doing it? Right, like how are we setting aside that service, like or that place in our, our, uh, our hearts to, to actually create that space for somebody? Because my whole thing, the whole, the whole reason I did it, not the whole reason, but a big part of the way that I responded to that need was because I came to Nashville brand new, feeling like I just picked up a white key tag, even though I had seven years clean, you know what I mean? But not knowing anybody, not being attached to the fellowship, I felt completely isolated. And it was like having to rediscover my identity. And it was the people who made that extra effort to be a part of my recovery and help embrace me that changed everything for me. So I know how like valuable that is. And, uh, 
and how irreplaceable it is for that matter, because I could have, I could have very well ended up falling back into some pretty, pretty deep, deep mess. I'll put oh, it. Oh, bro. New place. New Nobody place, knows. Seven years clean. Especially Not Nashville, Tennessee. Not as much desperation with seven years clean. Got a little problem. bit of money. Right. You know, right. money. Oh, I don't need good. to go. I don't need to go. I don't know these people. We lose a lot of people that we way. We absolutely lose a lot of people that way. Valuable people. People who, you know, already invested their entire life in this thing. So, so here, the, so the hit is if you're listening here, uh, and you're moving to someplace new. Yeah, the, call the line, get in, get in with people. And if you're on the other side, if you're established in the area, man, that's such a cool area of service. Yeah. Answer the line, throw your tell your sponsors, hey, go pick this dude up at the hotel, man, and 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 do what we do. Yeah, it's happening a lot. You know, there's a there's an incredible influx of people moving to Nashville on a daily basis, and you have to imagine there's a certain percentage that are people in recovery in other places, you know what I mean? That, that aren't necessarily planted or rooted in any way for that matter in Nashville, right? And so like how we greet them really depend, like really dictates how, how they grow in that community. If it wouldn't have been for service and getting involved at, at the area and going to the area service committee meetings, I would have never met the people who plugged me into the rest of what I did, right? Like that was the big shift for me was getting involved in service on a more formal level. All right. Thanks for tuning in, folks. This was a really, really neat experience. We had a lot of fun. Uh, 40 different addicts shared on 40 spiritual principles. It was just a super neat experience. If you're listening and you think, wow, this would be a really cool resource to have at a convention that you attend, please reach out to us here at the Anonymous Podcast and make the introduction with us and the, the convention committee that you're thinking about. And we'll see if we can work something out. I want to reiterate very strongly that that this initiative, again, does not replace meetings, step work, accountability with a sponsor, uh, fellowshipping. This is an uh, an attempt to to bring addicts who are passionate uh, for recovery uh, just another resource to help us on this beautiful journey. So again, thank you for tuning in. Um, spread the message, man. Spread the word. Uh, and and I can't wait until our, our paths cross. So from all of us here at the Anonymous Podcast, we love you. Thanks for your support. Y'all be good. God bless. Namaste.